Yes, folks, it's 2 p.m. It's Thursday. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... So, I'm here today, and we're with Kristen, who has a big, big announcement for us. Take it away, Kristen. Yeah, you're muted. Well, if that wasn't a rookie move, I don't know what was. I don't either. Here at the Pillars of Franchising, we're always looking for new ways to help those of you who are listening. We believe that most of you out there are are listening to get some information on how and why you should buy a franchise. So our belief is that the intention and vision of everybody who wants to do this also wants to be successful. So we're announcing today that we have a diverse background and years of experience of mentors that have joined us um, that that possess knowledge and success. Um, that can help you along the way. So all of our mentors that are in the program have achieved a million dollars a year in annual revenue or more. Um, We believe that um, through selecting a business category and signing all the way to signing the franchise agreement, you'll be far more successful if you have mentors to help you along the way. Um, Many people use a traditional broker to find ways to buy a franchise, um, which is not a bad idea. That's how I found mine. But we like the idea of having someone there to help you through the entire process, not just identifying categories and then you go find them. Um, For example, Ray and I and David, who you'll meet on another show, have all been through through it, done it, whether it be a recession, whether it be the pandemic. Um, And there's a lot to be said when you deal with people who have actually lived it. I guess we used to call it out if you've walked the talk. And I believe that that's what we offer in the mentor program here at Pillars of Franchising. So our goal is to give you the answers, uh, not to give you the answers, I'm so sorry, not to give you the answers, but to help you ask the right questions so that you can be successful. And with some of the process being um, recorded, some of the sessions being done live here on the show, uh, we hope that this will be something that will help you make the best decision that you can and that we begin to turn out educated and confident franchise owners in the future. That's what we're well, doing, Fred. Well, well <laughs> shall we bring in everybody else now? Yeah, let's get started with the show. This is gonna be a good one today. Welcome everyone. And Kristen, where are you? Sorry. Ray, Kristen, where are you? What's the weather like? I w- I, we know I where I am. Feel, I, I wish you could feel my hands. I'm in Chicago in Roselle and it's Ray said it's not cold, but it's like 32, and um, to me, it is bitter cold. It's not the negative 20 wind chill that we sometimes experience, but it is damn cold out there today. Well, it's a, it's a balmy 32 <laughs> degrees. I mean, this is a heat wave. This is December in the, in, you know. January. The, past, the north, you know. <laughs> it's January. You were off getting married in December. It's January. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for January yet. <laughs> but okay. yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's what you think it is anyway. And uh, here in Aurora, Illinois, it's uh, overcast, 
that's probably the worst part about today. Yeah. There's not, not, not too much wind, and that makes it nice. And unfortunately, the snow has turned to ice, and it's sticking everywhere. But uh, other than that, it's not too bad. <laughs> you can keep it. I'm fine here. <laughs> we know. I'm with you, Fred. It's 70 degrees where I'm at. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay, really cold here at 55. Okay, Mark, you can come on the show again. I'm sorry, Justin, you cannot come on the Jason. show anymore. Justin didn't make it. <laughs> Jason did. Get his name right, yeah. please. I seriously. I'm sorry, Jason. Why did I have? You know why? Because our other person isn't here, and he was a Justin. And I have the, three kids with Jays. So. And I'm the one who's supposed that. to screw the names up. So I know. How about, I know. How about introducing our guests and and who they're with, please. Oh, you're going to trust me to do that, Ray? Maybe you want to start. Well, I can start a little bit. Um, All right. Uh, we have a, a new guest who's not been on the show before, Jason Callen. Welcome to the show, Jason. And and one of the first things we always do when we uh, have uh, someone on the show is ask where they're at and how's the weather, which you hinted to a little bit already. But go ahead. Let us know. I already gave that up, but I'm in Los Angeles, California. And it's beautiful outside, 70 to 75, and nice and warm, sunny. Mm-hmm. <gasps> so, Jason, are, do we do we want to talk to Mark first? And you want to? Well, since no one, since no one has good. a clue who Mark is because he's not listed at all on any of the stuff oh. we got. Yeah, okay. why don't you? Okay, okay. all right. Uh, Mark is the partner of uh, Ron Silverstein, who is part of uh, Bud's Place. <laughs> we like to say Ron's a partner of Mark at Bud's Place, but that works well. Yeah, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So I'm in uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Nice. Uh, it's uh, balmy 55 here, and uh, I'm freezing. Heat wave. <laughs> See, all, all three areas, and we all have different opinions and different weather. <laughs> That's what makes this country great. Right. All right. So you guys want to start talking again so we don't have dead air? You know I hate dead air. I do, too. I want to talk, first of all, if you don't mind, Ray, I would like to talk to Jason because we've not had him on the show before. And when I thought about this show today, I kept thinking about what a nice cycle it was because we had the grower, we had the seller, who's unfortunately not here today, and then we had the place where you go to have fun with it. So (laughs) you all know we're talking about cannabis and kind of the state of the industry here in 2021, thank goodness. So Jason, what can you tell us about City Boy Farms and what you have going on over there? So City Boy Farms is located in San Luis Obispo, California. We are in the application process for a cultivation permit there and also working with a couple other companies in the business that are already licensed. Um, We are applying for a manufacturing three acres of outdoor cultivation and a greenhouse operation on a 25 acre piece of property and it's located in wine country. So one of the things I think we'll probably talk about later is the Appalachians that are coming forward this year in 2021 and how that's going to help sell products around the world and also throughout the United States. 
Awesome. Are you a hydroponic grower now then? Uh, now I'm not technically a hydroponic grower, but I was for about 20 years. My property in San Luis Obispo is certified organic. And then some of the other companies that I work with also are certified organic. Um, I work with a company doing some greenhouse hemp production in the Bakersfield area and they're certified organic. And then also uh, the other company in slow that I'm working with is working on getting certified organic also. Awesome. I think that's just where the industry is going to be. That's the type of product people will be looking for in the future. You know, I, I can't say that I know a ton about the industry, but I guess I always just kind of thought, isn't it all organic? Mm. No, not really. <laughs> There's so, a lot of a lot of stuff that people can use that's not good to smoke, and there's lots of fertilizers that are used, and um, not I won't say GMOs, but there's uh, plant stimulants that are really bad for people to be using and have been used for a long time in the cannabis industry. And I think a lot of that stuff's getting worked out now just because of the, the, the very strong testing requirements that are in place in California. I think that's awesome because um, now that it's becoming more mainstream, the best thing about it is that you have the regulation to keep people safe, mm. you know, and for people who've switched over even in your foods to organic, it's a big deal to get rid of a lot of those chemicals and things. And I think a lot of people, um, I know I will splurge to buy something organic before I will to just get, you know, maybe the cheapest raspberries because, um, I don't necessarily want all those chemicals in me or in my family. So that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm curious about uh, something, Jason. Uh, when you, how many varieties of cannabis are there? Because there seems to be like a hundred thousand varieties available in uh, cannabis dispensaries. So is that all a derivative of one type of plant or? Oh, definitely not. The, the, the original strains came from all over the world and people brought them back to California mainly for about the last 30 to 40 years. And some of these strains have been clone only. And then also some of those strains are a result of crossbreeding plants with other plants and trying to come up with different varieties. But mm -hmm. definitely there, there's at least 100,000 varieties I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have an exact number, but I would say that 100,000, maybe so on the have, lower side. You have kind of two main categories, right? You have the, the indica and sativa. I always get it wrong. I say them wrong all the time. Yeah, those right? are the two plant categories. And then through the last several years of plant breeding, they've also come up with a uh, hybrid category where it's a mix of indica and sativa and they're all different ratios it just depends on the genetic parents that the plant came from so tell us a little bit about your business have you begun the franchising process because you're a franchisor considered right no it's not no. ah okay so at this point it would be really cool to see what that would look like if you could multiply yourself right that would be awesome yeah i think that would be a great idea mm -hmm. yeah so do you export any of your product over state lines or are you required to stay right there in the state of California? Um, for the hemp that we sell, that I'm working with the, that company in Bakersfield, that cannabis, those cannabis 
plants can be exported out of state. But as far as any THC plants right now, none of that is really allowed to cross state lines. Okay, interesting. And do you guys do any um, manufacturing of the edibles or any of that? Or are you strictly flour? No, I, I've done a lot of manufacturing in my past. Um, I'm doing manufacturing right now on the hemp side while I'm waiting to get a license for the THC side in San Luis Obispo. But mm-hmm. I have experience with um, CO2 extraction and ethanol extraction, and then also some of the mechanical extraction that's out there also. Interesting. Is that, when you talk about extraction, is that taking it out of um, what? Out of the plant material. So okay. you're, you're removing the cannabinoids out of the actual plant material and then concentrating it into some type of vessel and then mm-hmm. taking it out of that vessel and cleaning it up either through a winterization process or some type of filtering to clean it. Wow. It sounds very complicated, very complex. There's a lot of chemistry involved with extraction. Uh Uh-huh. What's a cannabinoid? What's a cannabinoid? For those who don't know. Yeah. For those who don't know, what's a cannabinoid other than a difficult word to say? Yeah. So cannabinoids are the medical... Uh, chemical in the plant that is used and the human body has an endocannabinoid system that's uh, comprised of CB1 and CB2 receptors and plants, all plants, not all plants, but a lot of plants make cannabinoids besides cannabis. One like to bring a real common one out would be black pepper has cannabinoids in it. And then those cannabinoids, when they're ingested either through your stomach or into your blood system or through your lungs. And once they're in your body, they bind with the CB1 and the CB2 receptors. And they have all kinds of effects on your body from anti-inflammation and anti-stress to pain relief and anti-cancer properties. And the list is really long. And I think it's gonna get a lot longer in the, in the future because this, the science side of cannabis is just coming into beginning and there's a lot of uh, testing going on out there right now. That's awesome. Are they still showing on testing that it's not? Well, someone said to me the other day, well, you know, the thing is with cannabis is it's, it's addicting too. And I said, well, really? Cause I didn't think that they had found any science behind the fact that it was addicting. I think the behavior or the addiction to that feeling may be addicting, but is, have they found cannabis itself to have it? an addicting now, I'm going to happening? say I'm not a doctor so I, I, yeah, I don't right. believe they've found any addiction I do believe there might be some uh, tests out there that show like a physical thing where people are used just like cigarettes where they are used to bringing the cigarette to their mouth all the time I think the same kind of thing may apply to cannabis right okay excellent thank you I noticed that uh, you are the director of normal in St. Louis Obispo County. Um, and now Normal has been around, I remember hearing about it many, many years ago. Uh, how has Normal changed over the years? Because uh, it, it's been uh, charged with getting the message out about cannabis. Yeah, I think Nat- Normal has gone from a grassroots organization to more of a national working on federal legalization type organization. 
Um, I did start the, the San Luis Obispo Canada, or I'm sorry, the San Luis Obispo chapter of normal. Um, we're, we're not really currently meeting right now, so that's not happening anymore. Just because we have our ordinance in place and everyone's really focusing on the process of getting permitted now. So um, normal was a great organization when we were trying to set up the um, ordinances for San Luis Obispo County. Some of the supervisors and things actually recognized the name. So it kind of brought a little clout into the county to help them know that we were serious about what we wanted to do. And I think they took us seriously and put together a fairly good ordinance. It's been a little tough getting it implemented and getting through the process, but I think you're gonna see that in almost every county that allows, especially outdoor cultivation. Awesome. Can you, um, we're, we're gonna go to break, but just before we do, can you tell us what NORMAL stands for? Because I'm not familiar with the term. NORMAL stands for the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Law. Ah, okay, great. Excellent. Okay, so Fred, you want to take us to a break now? And when we come back, Jason, I'd like you um, to talk to us a little bit about what you think people around the country in states where this is legal should consider or think about if they wanted to become a grower and if that's an option for people. Gotcha. Awesome. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. And now we're back. Yeah, we're back. Okay, so Jason, tell us a little bit about that. How so, would somebody want to go about setting up a farm? Yeah, if you wanted to become a grower somewhere else in the United States, I think the number one thing you really need to pay attention to, if, especially if you're planning on growing outdoor, is your weather. Um, and then the next thing I'd say that's the major uh, hurdle to get through is neighbors. So. Weather is going to cause you lots of problems if you have early rains, snows, things like that. As you, if you look back this year, uh, Denver, Colorado was a perfect example of what can happen with an outdoor grow. Um, indoor grows, obviously, you're not so worried about it. Um, greenhouses, as long as all your equipment's in good shape, you're, you're usually going to be okay. But outdoor cultivation that in Denver, they got some early snow this year and I think they wound up with like 18 inches of snow around their plants. Oh. So that, that's a real tough thing to take, especially since it's at the very end of the year. Does that just wipe the crop out then for that year? Yeah, I think it makes it, it makes it doesn't it doesn't make it completely useless, but it does create lots of problems with harvesting. 
especially depending on size of your cultivation site. If you're looking at several acres of cultivation, trying to get out into the field and get that into a building or something to dry is very difficult. Um, and then neighbors is, is really gonna be any farmer's probably biggest hurdle, even more so than weather in the county and city that you're located in, because a lot of the neighbors out there are uneducated on the, the positive side of cannabis and they live a lot in the world of fear and propaganda that's associated with cannabis and pushback and especially in California, there can be some real issues. There's a law called CEQA that causes a lot of issues for cultivators that are trying to get licensed. So if you're in California, definitely look into CEQA and see how that applies. Um, but th those would be my two biggest things that people need to be aware of right off the bat. Who's next door to them and where they're trying to do it. Awesome. So, Jason, uh, grows this wonderful product. Where would a person go to use it? Ta -da! <laughs> <laughs> right. blood place. Yeah. <clears throat> there you go. Since we're here, we can tell you a little bit about it. That sounds great. I know that uh, actually uh, Jason and I have both been asked to comment a little bit about the state of cannabis industry and cannabis and franchises. To those ends, um, here's a little bit about the state of the business. This is why what the two of us are doing is beyond exciting. By the year 2024, 2024, which is four years away, within four years, the revenues from cannabis, these are revenues within the cannabis sector, not specific to Jason, not specific to me, okay, $37 billion dollars. That's what the revenues are going to be within four years, before 2025, in the cannabis sector. And to those ends, what makes it more exciting for the two of us is right now, for me, there are 15 states and D.C. that have made recreational marijuana legal. But what they didn't do was consider where you go to enjoy this legal product in virtually every place where they've made the uh, rules and regulations so that you can enjoy cannabis, they forgot that you have to go somewhere to enjoy it. Yeah. We have filled that gap for two years. We've been working with the municipalities, with the States in, in we've been involved in as much as we can from one of the people on our team is involved in crafting legislation language right down to it's time to license people. So that's why it's really exciting. And the state of the industry, all you need to say is $37 billion. This is a ground floor opportunity in a $37 billion market. Nobody, wow. nobody is franchising cannabis consumption lounges, let alone getting them open. We've been doing this for two years, and we are now at this point. Mm -hmm. We may have taken a little bit of a hit because of COVID, but there are many, many people out there who should see what's been going on in the industry, both franchising, regular economics, and cannabis, 
and they can see right before their eyes that this is the avenue where there's unlimited growth potential, and we can take advantage if we're careful. It, where I'm coming from in the cannabis consumption lounges, there are going to be a number of clients or customers that some of you may or may not have had who have gone out of business, who lease large areas and stores. Real estate is going to become very cheap because of the 35% of people who will never open their doors again because of COVID. Real estate is going to be cheaper. Profits are going to be higher. And the revenue stream is completely untapped. That's the state of the cannabis industry with regard to franchising from my point of view. With regard to a buzz itself, we don't think you can go wrong. This is the perfect time for anybody to come on board, to make inquiries, and to ask questions, and more importantly, to open a Bud's Place Consumption Lounge franchise. Mark, can you tell us what a consumption lounge franchise looks like? Uh, Some of our uh, listeners were not, or viewers were not on the show with Ron, and so I'd like you to just kind of tell them what that looks like from kind of walking in the door. What do you have going on in there? Well, from walking in the door, you're going to see, it's going to be an experience that if I can make the comparison, uh, if you'll think about the, uh, an upscale cigar bar kind of environment, meets Dave and Buster's. <laughs> if you think about an inviting environment with a lot of tactile imagery and things that are going to get you motivated and want you to stay there, play a game, drink something, have some food, and leave some revenue for the franchisee, now you're talking. Because that's what it looks like. A Dave and Buster's meets a high-end cigar bar. Very cool. Well, that sounds like fun. You, it you, will be. You said uh, at the beginning that the because of COVID, the, the industry, your, your franchise, took a hit. Was that a pun? It was, <laughs> that, that wasn't a pun, Ray, but I can certainly understand. That um, is a sign of genius, I'm told. No! You make one and you don't even... Ah. If you did, if it wasn't a fun, it should have been intended. Yes. <laughs> you needed to take a hit because of COVID. It's, it's, generally, it's generally a statement we use to get exactly that reaction. <laughs> so, um, in, in ways, and in, in basically what we, what we had to do was a little bit of redesigning of the interior space to provide for distancing and whatnot. And in doing that, we also created another revenue stream. Um, for potential franchisees. So, um, uh, you know, it's you just change a little bit of where some of the revenue comes from and do everything you still can to make the franchisee as certainly as uh, uh, successful as you possibly can. So, so, Mark, would you have, let's say in this scenario, a direct um, link to, say, Jason? Would you buy direct from him? Or is there a channel you have no. to go? The reason that our franchise model is uh, as widely accepted in concept as it has been is quite simply the opposite. If a Bud's franchisee is right now a bring your own cannabis, until it's federal legal, at which time we expect to have vending machines, dispensary partners on site, yada, yada. Until it becomes federally legal, 
We'll have partnerships. We will help you cultivate partnerships with local dispensaries and neighbors, uh, or we'll certainly guide you in that direction as best we can. Uh, that's what we do as franchisors for our franchisees, help them as much as we possibly can. But um, uh, we do not have direct contact with Jason. Therefore, you don't have a banking issues mm-hmm. that uh, a lot of growers, anyone who handles the, even if they don't have a banking issue because they're doing business with somebody friendly. I mean, as Jason will tell you, technically, mm-hmm. technically a Fed, Fed can come in and say, this is cannabis is schedule one and yank everything you got in the back of our minds in the cannabis industry. There's a little guy running around saying, technically they can do this. That's not an issue with a Bud's Place franchise because you do not touch the flower as a proprietor other than maybe enjoying cannabis on your off hours in the lounge um, because you don't, we don't sell it. You have to bring your own. You avoid those issues. So in that regard, uh, Kristen, no, I don't have a direct relationship with him. But would I encourage some of those relationships? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I think I think what's great about you explaining that is that for some of our listeners, they may be thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine the headache they have having to deal with all this different stuff. So that's great. And uh, hopefully, you know, more and more people will be interested. I kind of, as you were talking, I kind of envision on my corner, there's Starbucks and then three three doors down, there's a Bud's a bud Place. And then next thing you know, there's like a Chinese food place. And, you know, it just kind of blends in with the with the landscape of a, of a city, right? Absolutely love your vision. We think <laughs> it's going to be like McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Here's the other thing with Bud's Place. Even though we're two years into this and we've been working with you for quite a while and, you know, other organizations, you're still first. There are zero completely there are zero consumption lounges that are anything like our concept and what we have and what we propose. There's only a handful of lounges all over the country, and most of them are pseudo, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the farms, like Lowell Farms in Los Angeles. Uh, it's a restaurant where you're allowed to bring your own cannabis to smoke for dessert. That's not a consumption lounge in our eyes. That's not where you can come in, sit down enjoy some cannabis, enjoy something good to eat, and then go home. Well, forgive me for my ignorance, but I kind of thought the idea is you enjoy it first, and then you go eat a ton of food after. If that's the way you want to do it, you're sitting in Bud's place, it's okay. I'm just thinking if I own a restaurant, why would I offer you to come and after you've eaten? I want you to have it before you come in or maybe as an appetizer. You're a captive environment once you walk into our doors. If you want something to eat, you're getting it from me. If you want something to smoke first, you'll do that and then get something to eat from me. If you want something to eat or drink first, you'll do that and get it from me because you're in my establishment. Awesome. So you get multiple revenue streams. We have quite a few revenue streams from entry fees, memberships, VIP memberships. Our our concept will have general, uh, you know, general admission space. It will have a VIP area. Um, it's got an area for, you know, you can, if you want to rent it for parties. Um, our design is completely scalable from 4,000 to about 7,500 square feet of space. 
Now, do you have a, a setup if somebody say, maybe you're, oh boy, I'm trying to think of a good example. My town is not a really big town, right? And so would you have something smaller than 4,000? Is 4,000 what you feel is really the right minimum to meet the expectation of a bud's place? Well, I'm gonna say we, we actually spoke to somebody who wanted to try it out on a smaller scale. Mm -hmm. When push came to shove and we had it all in front of us, it no longer fit our vision. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be 7,500 square feet and it may work in a 3,500 square foot space, mm -hmm. but it would have to be perfectly spot on. Mm -hmm. This is a, it's that, that's why it's not a franchise that has a $20,000 franchise fee and, and costs $40,000 to complete your entire system. Right. You know, this, this is not for the squeamish because it's approximately a million and a quarter to a million and a half dollar investment when you do your build out. Sure, sure. So if you and Jason were to kind of collectively sit back and look at this whole thing, I can't imagine that either one of your experiences have been smooth sailing. You've had the governments you've had to work with. You certainly have your naysayers of people out there who, as one of you mentioned, were under or uneducated about the benefits of cannabis. Can you kind of, Jason, maybe you could start by telling us how you've managed to overcome those obstacles? Honestly, it's just to keep moving and pivot when you have to and, and just take the lumps. You're gonna, there's gonna be problems. I, I mean, originally, Kristen, you mentioned that I started out growing artichokes. That was the property that I was growing artichokes on was scheduled to be a cultivation site in Monterey County. And then on the last version of the ordinance, they came out and made it so that no one could grow outdoor or in greenhouse in Monterey County. So things just change and you just have to adapt to it and keep trying. Right. It, it really is a tough business. And like Mark said, it's not for the squeamish. Yeah, yeah I so can imagine. The rules are fluid. That's, that's part of the issue. The rules and the laws and the regulations are basically, they're being developed as we speak, even for some place that they've already been put in place. They're okay. being changed. They're being tweaked. Um, there, are, there are just a myriad of different things that happen. It seems a double myriad of things happen in the cannabis sector. Mm -hmm. uh, every time you think that something has been made static, they change it. Yeah. That sounds like a myriad. Load, That's a big it, right? word. It's a new frontier. It's the wild west. <laughs> it really is. It really is, Ray. It's a thirty-seven billion dollar wild west with no one else doing what Jason and I do. Yeah. So we give people the opportunity to join us and get in on this thirty-seven billion dollar industry. So, so Jason, who is your ideal candidate? Well, if you had to describe what you think today and tomorrow's people who are going to get into growing, I mean, who are they? For to my ideal candidate for a grower mm -hmm. would be someone with a lot of experience in cannabis. I, I don't think it's something that you should say, Hey, I've never done this before. And I want to go out and grow cannabis. It's going to be an extremely rocky road. Yeah. Um, you should have lots of experience. Someone on your team needs to have, I would say, a minimum of 10 years cultivation experience and probably also be tied in to the uh, 
regular ag business because once things start happening at scale, it's a way different uh, operation than what you're used to running where someone's growing in their house or even in a backyard greenhouse. Once you're up at scale, things change fast and problems multiply even faster. So someone needs to be able to spot those problems and be able to move forward and fix those problems before they take out a whole crop or, you know, render your whole greenhouse useless or your indoor grow useless until it's clean. Because, I mean, the bugs and the and the mildew issues that can arise, that, that can happen almost overnight sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Especially if you're organic. I can't even quite imagine what you do to to keep that at bay. There's all different types of, okay, well, okay organic things you can use right it it definitely limits the products that you're able to use but people have been growing organically certified organically for a long time so there's a lot of products out there that work you just need to make sure that it's okay with the testing that's going to take place after the plants are harvested and that it's still in line with the organic protocols set by set forth by whoever's certifying you organic Every time we have this topic on the show, I get more and more interested because I, I just never raise laughing at me, but I never <laughs> thought it was so complex. But I will say when I go to California um, to uh, visit my dad, we drive past these farms and he's always telling me, you wouldn't believe how much technology goes into these farms. Now, when I was a kid and I lived in Michigan, you know, you got your John Deere tractor and that was how you ran your farm. It, it was never well, part of it is just technology in general, right? But to your point, when you're scaling up, everything has to change and has to become more efficient, more technologically based. It's insane. I never would have thought that this would have exploded, but I'm so excited it has in this lifetime for me anyway. Um, So we do need to go to break. And when we come back, Mark, I would love to hear who you think your best candidate is to buy a bud slate. Great. Awesome. Fred, are you ready? The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. And we be back. All right, Mark. Did you have time to think about your question? Oh, I. Our perfect franchisee is somebody that has vision, because they're going to be groundbreaking. They're going to be on the bottom floor of a new a new sector of the economy. Our my perfect franchisee is somebody not only with vision, someone who's not scared to go into something new and different. Somebody probably that's already familiar with a multi-unit franchise operation 
um, because of the fact that the franchise fee is what it is and it's more than a million dollar build out. So I would say it would be somebody who's already looking or maybe a multi-unit owner in a different concept to look at our concept. Um, I would say that would be a, a really good candidate for us. Somebody with experience in the cannabis sector, uh, I would really enjoy having as part of the BUDS team uh, because they have some of the similar visions that Juan and I had or that someone like Jason has because we understand the industry and what drives it. And the fact that it's going to become much more mainstream is strictly because of the numbers. Right. Uh, more and more states have made it legal simply because of the revenues they're going to realize. It's, it's just absolutely insane that, uh, you know, California may realize $1 billion in tax revenue. So mm -hmm. if you don't think that's going to force things to go mainstream, then we're, we've all never studied economics. Right. That's just plain. With that kind of tax revenue involved, more and more states are about to come online. We have 15 right now where recreational is legal. We've got about eight more that should come on sometime in the first half of this year. And there's 30 states where it's medically legal. And so I, I, I wish that meant... Oh. I wish that meant that my property taxes were going to go down here in Illinois. <laughs> no, they'll go right, up. Right, I mean, seriously. I'll tell you, I have a direct challenge for all of the brokers out there. You work with some multi-unit franchisees, see what they have to say. A direct challenge is you need to have some vision. We've been working with you for a while now, and it's time that we all share the vision. And the vision is what can you bring, what candidates do we all have that we can bring to the table? And I think if we look at some of those candidates that we're thinking might be good and make the presentation, you're going to find that quite a few of your multi-unit operators, they've got the gumption to try to do something that's new. How about for the people, how about for the people who haven't gone out yet? They're maybe they're an executive. They've got, they're tired of that environment, right? Yep. Is this a business because of the, um, amount of cash you have to have. Is this a good business for a partner? Obviously you and Ron are partners, but it's a little different because you guys are franchising it out. Absolutely it is. And because of just that fact, if someone, if you, if absolutely it's easier to raise a half a million dollars in today's environment than a million and a quarter. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely room for partnership. We've, and even you found in, in some of your very largest franchise groups, there's one or two partners that have 20, 30, 40, 50 stores or units. Absolutely. Right now, we're looking for the people with vision and the people who are familiar with franchising and franchise systems who want to be in on the ground floor. And that's what we're looking for. Uh, you know, instead of having resale territory checks, let's get some people who are interested in putting a bud's place in. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Gotta have some place to go. Yes, sir. One of the things I wanted to ask Jason about, I, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and you are the director of Thrive Consulting. And what is that about? Oh, we were doing some consulting for some small farms, just trying to help them get through the application process in certain counties. Um, I, I, I'm more focusing on my own projects now. Oh, okay just because it took a lot of time to help other people and they weren't 
I don't know that they were really ready to get into the industry, the ones we were working with. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people probably underestimate what it takes. Is that Absolutely. what you found? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Always. People don't always like being told no. And I'm sure in your industry, you get told no a lot. Yeah. <laughs> hourly. <laughs> daily, no, hourly. No. Hourly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they say, right? It's survival of the fittest. So that's really it. take your lumps and just keep on going. Yeah. Kudos to you. There's, there's a, some lyrics in a country song that says, when you're going through hell, keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be the new model for 2021, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's just keep on moving further away from 2020. What's been, is, what an interesting um, set of guys you guys are to talk to. Um, unfortunately, next time we'll bring in the third tripod of this whole thing, the, the person who sells it, because I think that would have been a, like a complete, the whole gamut, so to speak. Um, but I really enjoyed talking with you, Jason. I'm very curious to know if you um, could tell us where people are going to be. Oh, wait, no, we can't talk about that yet because Fred has to take you on a trip. Oh, no. <sighs> yes, I forgot the trip. The trip. <laughs> oh, another, yeah, that's kind of one of those things too, right? I didn't mean like a Bud's Place trip, but. Tripping again. Yeah. <laughs> And notice, Kristen is down below in the rabbit hole. Ooh, a whole new setting. So, as is our want, we always like to go down the rabbit hole. And this topic is really already kind of down the rabbit hole. So, my question for today is, normally I'd go zombies or alien invasion, but we're going to go artificial intelligence. So how will artificial intelligence improve cannabis? Who wants to go first? (laughs) I think you're going to see a lot of technology in greenhouse and indoor spaces working with environmental control and, and lighting control and things like that, predicting, you know, amounts of sun hours per day and making sure that the lights are bringing up the the amount of light that the lights turn on to bring the proper amount of light to the plants. And then as far as environmental control, you'll see predictive things like um, environmental control, VFD, and things like that. Yeah, and AI doesn't need food, snacks. They won't yeah. get stoned. <laughs> But we're already using it in regard to food and snacks. We're already using in, uh, artificial intelligence in regard to portion control. Part of the things you're going to have at a budge place is either a card or a wristband that's going to entitle you to the quantity of beverage and food that you're going to be able to have. Um, this is all artificial intelligence, and those are things that are going to be, uh, you know, when you can control portion control, anything you can do better and more economically is going to be a better line for the franchisee. So I think artificial intelligence is going to be very helpful down the road to the franchisees. I think you guys were the most effective, both of you, at answering his rabbit hole question. <laughs> Don't you agree, Ray? I mean, really, this yeah. is, those are good answers. Fred yeah. tries to get people all tripped up, but you guys went right on through. And Fred, Fred is probably thinking, it's I want to know. about how you serve zombies. <laughs> 
I want to know how you get AI stoned. That's what I want to know. That's both. You see, it doesn't, you know. If you can get AI. I think AI... he touched the two red wires. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm just thinking if you can get AI stoned, man, that would be some good ganja. <laughs> and on that note, folks, we'll end this show. We thank our guests, uh, Jason and Mark, for coming and talking to us about where cannabis is in 2021. We'll be back next week with another guest and probably more strange and weird questions. Now they have to tell us. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. I I try to go too soon. You stop short. (laughs) Go ahead, Ray. Take the last question. We we need to ask the last smoking question. And that is great. You have been getting me all day. Yeah, Jason, I bet you've never heard any of these before because I, I just have none of these puns that come across my desk. And we think we're so funny. Yeah. The last smoking hot question. We'll go with Jason first. Jason, if someone wanted to talk to you uh, about what you do and, and uh, how would they get a hold of you? Well, they could reach out to me on my phone at 818-266-6112 or my email address is jcallen at cbfarms.farm and I, I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. And, awesome. and Mark, if someone needed to talk to you or Ron, how would they get a hold of you? You could reach either of us collectively at info at buds-place.com You can reach me directly at mark m-a-r-k-c at buds-place.com Certainly go right to our website at budsplace.com. I'm on LinkedIn at Mark Cohn. I'm on Facebook at Mark Cohn. And uh, it would certainly be my pleasure to speak to any of the fine viewers of Phillips. That's awesome. You. You, guys were, you guys were amazing today. Yep. Great show. Thank you so much. You're the cannabis trailblazers. <laughs> and on that note, we'll go Blazers. to our theme song. <laughs> So that way, everyone remembers us.